Hey, Millennials. I've had a while to think, and it's been a bit trying to figure out what I wanted to say for this episode. But without explaining things too much, I'll just say that this is kind of an off-the-cuff episode. I don't have any notes. Um, I don't have any scriptures or anything written out. So this is a very unprepared off-the-cuff topic that's been eating away at me for the last several weeks. The topic is... I don't think I've had any luck changing people's minds who don't want to have their minds changed. And I haven't had any success with people who don't want to hear the truth. And so that's, that's a bit of conflict because it seems like we only ever encounter people who don't want to hear the truth who aren't interested and who don't want to have their minds changed right so welcome to the millennial reign I'm your host zero for hire and that's what we're going to talk about today I, I figured maybe it'd be better to go back to very early time when this was explained and broken down to me at this experience. So I grew up in the town of Saginaw, Michigan. It was once a pretty significant town, lumber town, uh, has a river that runs right through it. And they use the river to move logs. That was way before my time. And when I grew up, there was a community center there where they would uh, do bag lunches, stuff like that. It's a good time growing up. And then at some point, things just kind of started to deteriorate on my side of town. The community center shut down. They stopped doing the bag lunches. A lot of the kids that were already teetering on the edge of trouble went full tilt into selling and dealing drugs. And the rumors that we had heard about gangs had become a reality every day. So I watched a good percentage of my classmates from my... Um, primary school years turn into criminals, get locked up and arrested, and or get killed. Um, so yeah, that's 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 my town. I, I, I'm I'm sure there are people that would argue better things about Saginaw, but I don't see the point. It's completely gone under at this point, and. When I was about college age, which I didn't really go to college, I wasn't a college person, but all my peers were, they had their choice. They could go to the community college or they could go to SVSU, Saginaw State University, or Saginaw Valley State University, SVSU. You see you see it all over. They're so proud of their school. People come from all over Michigan and all over, I guess, some other states to go to SVSU. They get their good quality education. And I was hanging out downtown at what was called Old Town, which was on the other side of the river. So I grew up on the south side, and we had moved... I had moved to hanging out with people on the other side. Now, this was after integration. We'll call it integration. Um, this was after the the advent of the internet, which is what spurred on integration, and I, I should talk about that in a later episode. But 
we were integrated, we were mingling quite a bit. And one thing that I noticed was a lot of kids who went to college were... They fancy themselves to be like that guy from Goodwill Hunting. They were just first-year psychology students arguing things that they had learned in class, but they hadn't really learned for themselves. And this was long before my knowledge of the cage stage, by the way. So when you get the... These psychology students, they are in their cage stage. And if you are a reformer or Calvinist, um, you will know exactly what I'm talking about here. The cage stage is reserved for first-year Calvinists. Um, We're also going to include first-year psychology students, CrossFitters, uh, anyone in an MLM, multi-level marketing, and uh, let's go with uh, essential oils advocates. Yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll keep it with that. I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of other people you can put in that box. But the cage stage means you need to be locked in a cage for the first year until you calm down and learn how to interact with people again because you're just shouting down people with your beliefs, you know, like leftist, com- like uh, <laughs> like um, college activists, you know, when when a guest speaker comes to town. Just in people's faces all the time. I don't, I don't. I was never that person, but I was always up for a good debate. Now, I be. I was raised in a Christian family. I went to a Pentecostal church. My grandparents founded a, a, a Christian Pentecostal church, and I had been introduced to quite a bit. I had a lot of biblical knowledge to a degree, but it it was mostly imparted. A lot of it. It wasn't really things that I had read or learned for myself or earned or anything like that. It was a lot of imparted knowledge, you know, like people telling me what to believe. And so I got into an age to where it's like, I need to start reading the Bible for myself. Um, I need to start meeting other Christians my age. And I was going through that phase of life for the first time in my 20s. So we all would go downtown, mid in Old Town Saginaw, and there was this coffee shop called the Red Eye, where we would interact. And the college students would bring their first year philosophy ideas, and me and my group of Christian home study people would try to go down and evangelize people. Uh, you would have your comic book nerds and your goths and your punk rockers and your, you know future barflies, and everybody had an agenda. And so some people were just there to hang out. Some people there to meet each other. We had a lot of different backgrounds. And this is where many of us were just spreading our wings and being adults for the first couple years of our lives and trying to have some sort of a social life. But there's always this overly aggressive or arrogant or cynical, you know, smart guy in that group. No, 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 no matter what the group is, who just wants to argue about things. And, of course, the argument of the day was they believed that God didn't exist. Obviously, they were atheists. And they wanted to use these philosophy ideas to argue their point. 
So if you're not familiar already, if you haven't dealt with college students, um, one of the first things they tend to do is argue um, ideas from French philosophers from the French Revolution or before the French Revolution um, from one to three hundred years ago. You know, Descartes, uh, Simone de Beauvoir, that's the feminist, I don't know if I'm saying her name right. Um, there's another get. There's another person that I cannot uh, place his name, but I think Descartes is probably one of the really one of the guys that is a big catalyst for this. But these are, these guys are all degenerates, really godless, sinful people that come up with these ideas that are still ail us today. Um, a lot of the if you've ever heard the phrase we live in a simulation I believe that stems from Descartes there is a third philosopher I cannot place the guy's name but uh, he was the one the deconstructionist guy boy that guy he believed that you could strip down your beliefs to its bare essentials and then rebuild it and it never he, he doesn't he doesn't let anybody in on the trick it never leads anybody to a stronger belief of anything, really. Deconstruction is completely destructive. So it would... If you're dumb enough to do this, go ahead. It would cause a person to strip away every element of their belief. And then they're supposed to turn around and re rebuild it. But nobody comes out of that phase alive, you know. The fire, you know, they, they, they can never come out of that unscathed. We we see a lot of people say, I'm deconstructing my faith. That's what they're talking about. And when I say deconstructing or stripping away the elements, you know, a lot of it is just like, well, we can't trust the Bible, so um, we, we're going to have to argue our faith without supernatural elements. We'll just put these sacraments aside for now and pretend that God isn't supernatural or that life isn't spiritual because it can't be measured with a stethoscope. And... Uh, you know, that kind of nonsense. Making, you know, making concessions for someone who doesn't believe what we believe because their beliefs are in a limited category and ours are not. You know what I mean? Like, you can't measure spirituality with science. And so they're like, well, you can only argue science. I mean, and you could. But that doesn't mean you shouldn't. Like if you're a boxer and you get into a fight with a kickboxer and you're like, hey, or a kung fu master and you're like, hey, kung fu master, no grappling and stop kicking me. Only use punches. Yeah, that's retarded. Like you're not going to, he's not going to agree to that. You might want him to because you're an expert boxer and you're like, we're just going to punch. But he keeps kicking you in the shins and you're like, ah, oh, it's really distracting because I haven't trained for this. I'm sorry. I don't know what to tell you. You should have trained better. And that's kind of the issue with arguing atheists on their own grounds. Feminism, um, deconstruction, a lot of other first-year ideas that just make people obnoxious and want to argue. And essentially, I mean, 
I don't know why it is every single time. The first thing they want to do is try to tear down Christianity, the idea of God, the concept of basic traditional values. Maybe it's something to do with the professors in these classes, but it just, but I think it has also maybe some of that, but also more to do with the fact that they're always studying French philosophers that are, like I said, degenerates. You know, these are your pedophiles. These are your polygamists. These are your homosexual, um, your weird, uh, queer gender study, you know, anything that's not normal and traditional, that's what they want to advocate for. And then try to come up with some sort of pseudo-scientific argument as to why their way is normal. That's, that's what you're looking at. And then, so first year students always bring their, their, and then you have like, let's put that against a first year Calvinist who's understanding like, their understanding is that you cannot come to God unless you have a regenerate heart. So it has to be God who regenerates your heart in the first place. And also, you need to repent of your sins and come to God. And so, like, you have this, like, illogical fallacy kind of set up because it's like chicken and their egg scenario. And then they're preaching this to the person who already doesn't believe in God. And obviously he sees the chink in his armor. So he's just like, so what if God doesn't regenerate your heart? And then the Calvinist is like, well, then you're going to go to hell. And he says, well, how do I know that my unbelief is because God hasn't considered me elect? And that's how that argument goes. And this is why I try not to argue with Calvinists about that. Because it's all presuppositional anyway. But when you're convinced that something is true, you're going to have a hard time... One, looking at the possibility that you might be misunderstanding it. And some people are so intellectual that they will bend over backwards just to come up with reasons why their belief works and questioning it is wrong. Or, you know, some other answer to the question is wrong. And it's it's difficult in all matters of philosophy and religion. Well, as millennials, we have to deal with that. I'm sure every generation has had to deal with that, but I had to deal with that at the coffee shop at a young age and arguing points with people as best I could as a new Christian and just being like, like, okay, I think the argument that I always got backed into or backed someone into because it was always regressed down to this point. They were complete and total utter nihilists because they were depressed individuals generally and they would say well life doesn't mean anything it doesn't matter blah 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 and then i would say no god gives you meaning christ gives you purpose i would argue that that point and then they would say well what if how would they phrase it it would they would basically try to say like it's it's just a side. You're just choosing this side. And I said, yeah. Yeah, I am choosing a side. I'm choosing the side of God because when you compare that to the other sides, you know, you're in a losing battle. You put God against nothing. God speaks everything into existence. You know, light chases away the darkness. So God is superior. Put God against any other God. He's going to win. So wouldn't you want to be on the winning side? This was the argument that I would put forth. And they would say, 
they would they would argue fiercely not not to have to take a side. And I would say your unwillingness to participate is a choice regardless when it comes to the spiritual conversation. So you saying God doesn't exist and I'm not going to believe in anything, you're just choosing nothing. Which means that God and the demons or the devil or whoever else his opponents are, are going to war and you're just out there in the middle of the battlefield with no weapon, with no support, with no backup, with no plan because you choose to believe in nothing and you're likely going to get trampled by both sides. That's all that means. I mean, think about it logically. That That's the logic that I bring to the table. And then they would get mad and not want to talk to me anymore. And then I would get mad because I couldn't convince them to move any further in the conversation and it never went anywhere. Now, I'm sure there are better scriptural arguments I could bring to the table. I'm sure there are better techniques, philosophical, basically marketing. Um, but I've seen other people do the same thing. I have friends that go down to the abortion mills and hold signs and basically like yell scriptures at people. Now, they might have different motivations for what they're doing, but they're just yelling at people. And ultimately, if you're trying to get a woman to not have an abortion and you're saying, we'll take the baby or we will help you raise the baby, we just want you to change your mind, there's some value in that. Um, but most of the time, there's a high rejection rate there because of the way the system's set up. And that's a, I think that's a different scenario. What I'm thinking is... When you are on a comfortable speaking level with someone and you know that they have a very strongly held belief that they likely haven't thought through and they're trying to force their idea on you. We're going to reverse the tables for this. They're trying to force their idea on you. Now, we would likely say, no, thank you. No, thank you. I'm not interested in that. Please stop. Because it's easier to just say that than to try to convince somebody who's a rageaholic that their ideas are wrong. But maybe you haven't gotten to that point. And so this is the, this is the thing that I'm struggling with. It's like, how much do you need to fight with somebody who doesn't want to have their minds changed? Now, I don't know if it's ultimately the best thing not to argue with these people. It's definitely the easiest, the simplest road. Simplest road isn't always the best road. We're just going to lay that out there. It's not always the best way to go about things. But I'm starting in my age to see that a lot of debate and arguments with people who don't want to have their minds changed generally ends up with me just getting my blood pressure up and emotionally invested in something, ultimately heartbroken because I'm arguing with someone who's more interested in the argument and the, in the activity of arguing with me than they are of coming to any real resolution about anything. I'm not saying that you should never argue with people. There are some people that are like, hey, let's have a formal debate. Let's talk about these things. That's not most people. Most people are belligerent and kind of stupid in that respect. 
and it makes it more than difficult to be tolerant and understanding and to walk through through the points because they don't want to hear the points. They're being obstinate because they just want to be right. That is what we call a fool. A fool just wants to be right. A fool doesn't care about right or wrong. He just wants to have his way. And so our job now becomes to judge a situation about whether or not this is worth my limited time and whether or not this person is sincere in the issue that is about to be debated. Because sometimes they're coming to you asking you because they genuinely want to know your opinion. In which case I would say this is a time to offer your points. And what I would do, because it's just the kind of person I am, they say, hey, what do you think about blah, blah, blah? And I start, well, here's what, I, we got this, and, and then the Bible has this, and this is where we start, and blah, blah, blah. And they start interrupting me. I'm like, dude, let me finish, or don't ask my opinion. You, you wanted to know what I thought. I'm trying to tell you what I think. But if you're going to interrupt me, I'm not going to waste my time with this conversation. I'm telling you this now before I get any more invested in what I'm trying to say. Because I could be doing literally anything else. I know it sounds harsh, but like, one, a person who actually wants to know will be kind of grateful and respectful of that ultimatum. And two, a fool who's curious, will also shut up and let you explain yourself. But a person who just wants to argue is going to double down, and now you know this is not worth my time. So that's one technique that I use. Um, you You can take it or leave it. The other thing is, like, you're not always in a situation where you want to fight with someone meaning I personally I don't want to decimate someone who's starting a journey and thinks they're right and maybe they're just like overbearing person maybe they're arrogant because they just learned some new stuff maybe they learned some new techniques in arguing or they got some information that they think fills a hole and they're just really zealous I will say in a situation like that, and we had this happen recently on a live stream, um, we had a guest on and the guest wanted to argue something that I absolutely believe is false, but my position was that this person deserved to have a seat at the table so that he could discover the truth for himself over time. I'm not... I don't see it as absolutely necessary that this person understand things the way I do immediately. I think that if this person was sincere, and this was a spiritual issue, I think if this person is sincere, and I believe that he is, that God will eventually turn his mind toward the truth. Because this is a person who seems very zealous for the truth. But right now, he's going to have to go through some hardships in chasing after what is most appealing to his flesh and his current logic and you know with this group of friends that's what he's going to have to do and like if that's what God's using to draw him closer to him let God do that now unfortunately this was on a very um a very uh what's the word i want 
Like it's it's a non-negotiable in a lot of Christian denominations. But I think that their understanding of the subject was sincere enough that they're just wrong, but that they're not showing malice or ill intent toward God or how he works and how he operates. I think they're just wrong in their understanding. And I think that God takes stuff like that into account. Like when you seriously are pursuing God and you truly love God, but you're just wrong about something, I don't think it's, I'm not saying that's loving to let a person be wrong. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying it's, it's not loving to decimate somebody's entire belief system on camera in front of other people. I don't think that's right. Um, I don't think it's right to fight with your friends in that situation either. Um, you guys can... You, you, when you fight with your friends, you know what the limits are. And you know that like, hey, if I knock down what he's saying, he's going to take this way too personally. So I'll wait until we're off camera. And a lot of times when I have these conversations with people like over on 520 Collective live streams, we will we'll be talking about something. I'll have to just bite my tongue until after we're off camera. And then I'll say, hey, let's consider this, blah, blah, blah. And then some, a lot of times, most of the time, I will say let me get some more information for you and then I'll send them an email later or I'll send them a direct message on social media later with some extra evidence or with some extra things that we're discussing in the background. Because what I think is that a person who's sincerely looking for the truth, if I take that gentle method of here's some additional information, here's how I understand the scriptures, I hope this is useful in your pursuit, then that person will see it read it, listen to the thing, whatever, and then God will turn their heart toward the truth. And that's a that's an element that we can't leave out of the equation. God will turn their heart. And when I say God that can that, that also means the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will turn their heart toward the truth. But if you don't leave room for God to work and you think that you're so smart that you have to instantly correct this person and set them straight right now or it's the end of the world like there's that means in my belief that means you don't believe in grace you don't you don't have very much respect for the friendship because men shouldn't embarrass each other like that and i don't think that you have very much faith that god is in control i think Having a situation like that where somebody's like, I'll, I disagree with you. And what I said was, um, in, in the situation I'm talking about, I'm not prepared to debate with you right now. I'll get you some more information later. And that's what I did. And when I got him the more information later, he wanted to argue more about it. And I'm, I just don't want to argue with you about it. Like, this is, this is what I have. If that's not useful to you right now, I hope, you know, I hope you do well. I did my part. Like, I'm not... Because he wants to argue in terms of, like, changing my mind, not defending a, a position. He wants to show me that I'm wrong instead of 
considering the other the information. So it, already he's not considering the information. He's just trying to immediately say, well, you're wrong and here's why. I don't think that's a good approach for me or for him. I think when I'm talking to people from different denominations and belief systems, uh, not, not belief systems, but like different structures of belief within Christianity, and the key element is within Christianity, um, it's important to understand why people believe the things they do based on what scriptures, based on how they interpret scriptures, based on how they read it. Sometimes they just read it wrong. You know, and I have had arguments with people. I've had hours long arguments with people about how they're reading something in Romans versus they're just wrong. It's like, no, you're not. It's not that you're wrong. Like, you're right if you read it this way. But I don't think that's how it's supposed to be read. You know, you like you have the one about the jars of clay. A lot of famous scripture and people say, like, if God... And the way I've always read it was like, if God chose to create people as vessels of wrath, that would be his prerogative. That's a big hypothetical. And that's all the scripture is laying out. It's saying, hypothetically, if God were to do this, it would be his prerogative. But people take it as fact that people, that God did create vessels of wrath only to destroy them, and that's his prerogative. And they're reading it completely differently. I don't think that's right. I don't think that's a correct interpretation. But that's a matter of interpretation. So for me to call this person a heretic, and you're going to hell, and you're wrong, and you can't be a Christian, because you read it wrong, I think it's way past my, what I'm supposed to be doing. You know, like, I disagree with what you're saying. Here's how I think it's supposed to be read based on what we have here. You know, you've got this long freaking run-on sentence with not with, without a lot of punctuation, and you need to get a highlighter or something and highlight these parts so you can look at them separately and not take the whole thing as one long contingent thought. Like there's there's multiple broken down thoughts within the thoughts, and they need to be considered. And I think that's you know the key to that particular scripture. And if you're having a conversation with somebody like that over interpretation of scripture and it's use your best judgment is what I'm saying. But when you're with a guy who is just like way over the top, way overzealous, a young person who's early on in their journey, what I would like to believe is that they're going to tear through every intellectual they can find and eventually they're going to come to an understanding of the truth and they're going to look back and they're going to say, Wow, Zero was trying to tell me all this time, and he was actually nice about it. And I'm hoping that, you know, people will come back later and say, hey, I finally understood what you were trying to tell me, let's talk about it. I'm willing to have that conversation. But if it's like, you're wrong, here's why, I'm not willing to have that conversation. Like, I'm willing to have a conversation of, why do you understand it this way? And then I'll tell you why I understand it this way. And we can see if we can either meet in the middle and, and we can agree to disagree that we have different interpretations. But I want to at least understand why you're taking it this way based on scriptures. Because a lot of times what I find is that there are Christians who will just add things to the scriptures because that's how their teachers taught them. You know, they're, they're reading something and their teacher just keeps stopping in the middle of the reading and saying, like, now this means this. And here's what that means. And then you have, like, those little, like, 
title entry points at the beginning of sections of scriptures. It would be like chapter five, the rapture. And like all of a sudden, everything after that is automatically applied to the rapture, even though it shouldn't be. Like that's the kind of interpretation that most people experience. Um, and I think that's, I think that's just unhealthy and wrong. Now, I think a way of getting around this and a way of exercising this sort of understanding and grace with your fellow brethren is to understand a few things. One, understand that people read things differently. And all you have to do is look at the current state of politics to understand this. Like, 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 look at the American immigration policy. It's not even an American issue anymore. You have immigration policy across the world. The policy says, generally speaking, that if you're an asylum seeker, you, you run away to the first country that will give you harbor, safe harbor, and, and apply for asylum. And what actually happens is that people will run to, you know, two and three and four countries away to get to their preferred country and then try to apply for asylum. And then the country says, no, 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 no. You're supposed to do that two countries ago, way back there. You should actually be, you know, in this country instead. And then like we have activists and advocates to say, you're, you're being ungrateful. You're being inhuman. And then you have like people that are following the letter saying, well, this is what the law says. And this is how it should be interpreted. That's kind of how you, you have problems in scripture is you have people that are arguing you should be only be baptized in the name of Jesus. And then you have people saying, no, you should be baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And they had this, this like a literal argument. They, like they actually argue about this. They can't look at different examples and compare them. Or, you know, maybe there's, they can't, there's, that's not, nope, nope. That's not how their teachers taught them how how to read it, how to understand it. So you got to understand that people are going to read things differently. They're going to understand and interpret things differently, first of all. The other thing, another thing you got to keep in mind is that God's short list for salvation is going to be different. His ways are not our ways. And when Jesus was like not directly answering people about whether he was the Messiah, I think that says a lot. I think... That not all of the apostles walked away with a solid understanding of the Trinity. I just don't think they all had that solid understanding. Especially if they didn't use their epistles to argue the Trinity. Um, and I think there's a lot of issues that even the apostles walked away from their experience with Jesus. Just not understanding some things very in depth. They didn't spend time arguing about whether the divinity of Christ was um, poured out sufficiently or if it was a drop of wine with a notion of water, with the water being his humanity. Like They didn't pontificate these things. They were too busy trying not to get killed. You know, <laughs> persecuted Christians don't often have these type of pontifications. These were men of, in times of peace who found value in their position, and they just kept building up higher and higher arguments. And I think that's another thing is like 
if you are walking out your faith, you don't have a lot of time to sit around and just think about it, which is one of the things that makes this podcast difficult for me is I love the podcast. I love to try to explain these ideas. I don't have a lot of time to just sit down and write out these intricate arguments. And I'm, I find myself continuously trying to answer questions that get asked. And that's why I'm trying to take a slow approach to this. So, yeah, God's short list is different. God is is not looking for you to say a certain prayer in the right order or to, you know, there are certain doctrines he's not going to require you to understand, you know, like, do you need to be baptized? Like, do babies go to hell? Like that kind of stuff. Like God's list of what he's going to accept, it's going to be different depending on you and your background. It's just, you're not going to be right. I'm not going to be right all the time. Like, we're all going to get together, and he's going to be like, okay, so, you know, turn in your bingo cards, and here you go, you know, and it's going to be like Jeopardy, where you write down your answer, and then you find out, like, wow, I was way off. So, don't be arrogant, you know? And, like, don't be a jerk to people about that kind of stuff. Try to debate in a healthy and friendly way where you understand why they understand it that way. And then if you want to argue the details, this is why this is wrong, just keep it civil, dude. But, like, you're not going to have that opportunity with every person. And this is the point that I'm getting to. Some people are just going to be belligerent and they just want to be right. And you're not going to get to that actual healthy conversation. It's going to be, like, you're going to cut trim a lot of fat off if you listen to my advice on this. Do not argue with people who don't want to have their minds changed. Especially if it's not on something dangerous. Now, if your friend is like, you know, past, not past, like just drunk. If your friend is drunk or high and he's like, I'm going to drive to the store right now and give him him what for, because that's how people talk, I guess. Um, Don't let him do that because that's dangerous. You don't want him to crash his car. You know, you're not going to let an angry person leave with a gun. And, you know, go to her ex-boyfriend's house. Don't, don't, you're not, you know, there are dangerous decisions that can be made. You don't want to encourage that. But if we're talking about, like, doctrine, I can't think of how many doctrines are going to be, like, immediately dangerous. So, let them know, I don't agree with, I think you're going too far. I don't agree with you on that. Well, how come? Because then the Bible says, okay, look, just slow down. Because first of all, like, take some of your bass out of your voice. You're way too excited. But secondly, like, if if you're trying to go all, like, because of the book of Malachi, like, if you don't have that stuff memorized, don't dig the hole deeper by trying to argue with somebody who's prepared for a tit-for-tat argument. Because, like I said before, it's likely going to be a matter of interpretation. You don't want to go there. You don't want to go into that type of lawyered argument unprepared. Knowing that this is likely going to be an issue of interpretation. Because a lot of the fringe beliefs that I have are because of matters of interpretations. They're, you know, that you have these scriptures that are like, you know, A and B. And people only quote A. You know, people will say, God will never give you more than you can handle. (laughs) That's like half the scripture, you know, Jesus, uh, what's, what's one, um, where they do the second half, uh, oh man, 
what is it about knowledge and the truth shall set you free. And Jesus says the truth will set you free. And it's like, okay, um, there's there's more to that scripture though. Like, if if you obey me, then you will know the truth, and the truth will set me free. Like, so there's some contingency there. They don't want to hear that. They're not prepared. They don't you argue. That's what the Bible said. I know some pastors that are like that. They'll be like. The truth will set you free. And you say, if you obey me, you know, they'll say, submit the devil and he'll flee. Or, or, or no, submit. Resist the devil and he'll free. And I'm like, yeah, submit to God, resist the devil, and he'll and he'll flee. Like, there's a contingency there. Well, it says right here. If you And I'm like, okay, you know what? If you're going to argue about, and you're not going to look it up, so go be right, you know, just whatever you you do you man i'm not finna sit here and scream back and forth i'm trying to tell you that's only half the scripture but if that's like a problem for your ego then please go be right you keep doing your thing man god will deal with you and sometimes people will get upset with you because you're just like look man if that's what you're gonna do if that's how you're gonna handle this take this information and that's how you're gonna react and but what a, God will judge you. That's not. I'm not. I'm. I'm not gonna wash my hands. Shake my sandals. I tried. I'm not saying sit here and have a fist fight with you over the half of Scripture. And they will be mad because you will not submit to them. You will not argue with them. You know they're wrong. They know that you don't agree with them, and they're just like, well, how, a lot of people just want you to submit, man. Because they went to the class. I, I, I got a degree. How? Who are you to tell me? Okay, I'm not going to tell you. You, I'm, We done. I'm not going to tell you nothing. You go ahead. <laughs> there was a kid at the, at, the, uh, at the Dollar General over here. And I was using this self-checkout. And the camera was broken. Because the camera, it's, it's at a wide enough angle. That it's supposed to be able to see what you're scanning, but it's also supposed to see your face. But their cam's broken. So I was like, hey, on the way out, I'm like, hey, man, tell your manager that the camera is pointing down too far. He goes, oh, no, it's not. It's because it, it can see your face, too, unless you're super tall. Like, okay, all right, all right, all right. You And I left. So I'm not going to sit here and argue with you. I just use a camera, and on the only thing it showed was the bottom half of my T-shirt. It, it's nowhere near my face. And I'm trying to tell him, you don't want to hear it? Okay, I'm I'm done. I tried. People just want to cut you off at the past. They just want to be right. And you can let your life be easier. And a lot of times, it's funny. You be trying to tell somebody something, and they so they be trying to argue with you so hard. Everyone else around is just laughing because they know you. They know that you're trying to tell this person what's right. But this person ain't having it. They got. They know so much. They they know. I know. I know. Oh no, I know. I know. No, you don't. But th that's just how some people. A lot of people are, man. So just like that's where we're gonna leave it today. And basically, just don't argue with a fool. I believe there's the scripture is like, don't answer a fool according to his folly. And there's a a separate scripture, answer a fool according to his folly. And it's like two sides of the same coin. Do not, when somebody is like, oh yeah, well, what did Jesus say when you did, and what did Paul do? It's gonna, do not answer a fool according to his folly. Let him argue with himself. I'm just going to sit here and argue with you. Like, not like that. That's, that's not what, I'm not doing that.
Because I'm not invested. I'm not invested in whether or not, like, how, how which one of us is closer to right. Like, I'm interested in the truth, but, like, if you have to get it that way, you go do you, and God will lead you to the truth. I believe in God. I'm only trying to share information with people that want to hear it. I'm not going I'm not going to stand here with no signs. I'm not going to be out on the corner with a megaphone yelling at you. You don't want to hear it? You don't want to hear it. And I realize that sounds kind of harsh because a lot of people are going to perish. But if you're not praying for people specifically, like prayer is a we- is a stronghold. Or prayer is a weapon. I'm sorry. Ephesians says that prayer is a weapon to tear down strongholds. So this is something that even I need to learn when I'm sitting here arguing and like on a political scale or something. When you're sitting here and you're in a stronghold, we need to make it our first nature to be praying to tear, excuse me, I have a hiccup, to be tear down that stronghold, praying, because that's what the Bible recommends. It doesn't say have the best logical argument. And yes, that's what a lot of these guys did. They went in there and they argued in the synagogues and they and they made their case and stuff. But we have instruction and then we have description. Okay? So apostles were described, Jesus was described as going in, making his case, having these debates with people. I'm not saying don't do that. I'm saying don't argue with fools, belligerent people, you know. Don't don't get in the mud with a pig or y'all both dirty. I don't know where I heard that. But I'm also saying that prayer is to tear down strongholds. So if you care that much, you need to be covered in prayer. You need to cover that situation in prayer. You need to be doing that spiritual warfare. That's what spiritual warfare is. So when you go in there talking to people, you know, like I just, I have faith that God has already prepared people's hearts before I get there to, to receive a message that I'm trying to bring. You know, now if I have that attitude, if that's my heart's orientation, God, I believe that God has prepared their hearts to receive the message that I'm trying to bring on his behalf. And then I get there and as soon as I open my mouth, they're going, no, no, I know, I know, no. Okay, that is not a receive. That's not a heart that's prepared to receive. That's not what I prayed for. You know, and so you get there and it's not what you prayed for. And so now you're going to spend the next four and a half hours arguing with this person because you're going to force them to sub- submit. You're not going to force them to believe, so you're going to force them to submit. Because, let me tell you something about people. You could literally see a UFO land in your front yard and little green aliens get out, have a conversation with you, Get back in the spaceship and fly away. And people will somehow convince, try to convince you that you didn't see what you saw. And they'll keep questioning you. Did you really see that? Blah, blah, blah. You know what you saw. They might even get you to change your story a little bit, but they're not going to change your belief unless you're just like a seriously weak-minded person. You get hypnotized out of that or something. There's a degree of that. But that's manipulation. That's not truth. It's not honorable. And people will change and elaborate stories on their own. It's just, just like, that's not the truth either. The truth is what happened, happened. And if you just listen to their story, they'll tell you what happened. Reverse the roles. If they would just listen to you, 
tell your story or give your if they ask your opinion, you give your opinion, they listen to you, then it's out there. Then you can have a conversation about it. But if everything you say is cut off and rude and I'm gonna fight you and no it ain't okay, that's not that's not right, man. You can't you can't work in that in the conditions. Now, maybe you like to fight, maybe you like to argue with people. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm not saying to be weak. I don't want nobody to be weak. I don't want nobody to go against their convictions. I don't want nobody to be sinful. Maybe you got a hard head and you just like smashing it against a brick wall over and over again. Maybe that's how you get through doors. Is You just smash your head against the door instead of using the door handle. I'm not going to convince you otherwise not to do that. But I'm saying for a reasonable person, for he who has ears to hear, do not argue with that fool. I don't know how many times I can repeat this message and have it mean the same thing. So I'm going to wrap it up there. Uh, this has been the Millennial Reign Podcast. I want you guys to be able to walk in the power and the glory and the authority that Christ has intended for you. Uh, we do live in a fallen, sinful world, and there are people who should have gotten out of the way a long time ago. Just like David, who was anointed king, and Saul just wouldn't get out of the way and let David be that king. Saul kept held, holding on to it after the anointing had left, and it didn't end well for Saul. You know, God will not be stopped. God will not be mocked. And you will have your time. You may not be the leader that you think you're going to be. You may not be in the position that you think you deserve. But if you are pursuing God, you're pursuing God's truth, and you keep praying for a breakthrough, for guidance, for Him to show you and to guide you, He will put you in the position that you're supposed to be in. He will allow you to walk in the authority that He's put you in. And there's there's ways to get there. We're going to get there, man. You're going to have to handle your responsibilities. You're going to have to take care of your family. You know, you're going to have to do things right. It's a slow process. We just need to be obedient. Keep following God. And things will eventually fall into place. You've been listening to the Millennial Rain Podcast. I'm your host, Zero for Hire. You can reach me over at zeroforhire.substack.com. You can also listen to the Zero for Hire podcast, get updates on other stuff that I'm doing in my life, um, in my other podcast shows, other projects that I'm working on. And um, that's going to be it for this session. I don't know when the next time I'm going to do. There is no set date for this podcast. It's just whenever God allows me to be able to do it and, and things come together. But sometimes I have the time and I'm just like brain dead and I can't think. So I'm not going to force this stuff, man. This is this, I'm imparting these things to you bit by bit and I want it to be quality for you. Thanks for listening. I love to hear from you. Zeroforhire.substack.com is the website if you want to donate. Join for more stuff and uh, get a little more of this juice. And until then, I'll talk to you guys soon. Stay holy. I want to thank you guys for listening to the Millennial Rain podcast. Currently, I believe this is the only show I have on iTunes right now. I don't have anything on iTunes or Spotify. Uh, any other shows. If you want to listen to my other main podcast, you can do so by going to the zero hour, I'm sorry, zeroforhire.substack.com.